All right, and welcome back to Dynasty Kings. We are now on episode 13. I'm Luke, and the other kid is who's thicker than a snicker is Kyle. And today, we are going to finally be covering the Dallas Cowboys. I have been dreaming of this episode because I just love to crap on America's team, being a Canadian and whatnot. Uh, make sure if you're not already, give us a follow on all of our social medias. It's Dynasty Kings Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Love the follows, love interacting with you guys. So make sure you shoot us a, a like or a follow or a retweet. Anything that helps. All right, and now let's just jump into it. So you guys know how we like to do it. We like to be positive before we crap on everybody's team. It's the only way to do it. It's the only reason why you guys might stick around just to hear us say good things about your teams. I know we have some guys who uh, who don't like it when we talk badly about their teams. So uh, let's just get it started. So Kyle, why don't you get us going with one of the players on the team that you're excited about? Yeah, I'm excited for the Dallas Cowboys. Definitely underperformed last year, so it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. I think they will overall. But one of the guys that I'm super excited for that's getting a lot of I think he's getting slept on, to say the least, is Blake Jarwin. Um, the new tight end, um, not new tight end, he's been on the team for a while, but the new starting tight end for the Dallas Cowboys is stepping into a, a lot of opportunity. Um, you know, a lot of guys in the Dallas Cowboys locker room lost out due to the draft. I'm looking at you, Michael Gallup. But a guy like Jarwin won big time. The Cowboys didn't bring in any of the competition, and they lost Witten, who's been, you know, obviously that – uh, tight end for them for so long, except for the one season where he decided to retire. Uh, so it just it just feels like a prime opportunity for him. I know there's a lot of wide receivers, but Jarwin's the only competent tight end on that roster. And you could have all the good wide receivers in the world, but Jarwin is a very big play tight end too. I mean, he had very limited touches last year and he still did a lot with it. He had 31 catches last year for 365 yards. Those are great numbers, um, especially considering the fact that Witten had 63 catches and 529 yards. So you kind of just need to do the math in this situation. Uh, for his ADP right now, man, if Jarwin cracks 500, you get him at a steal, but I think the potential is there for him to get into the 600 to 800 yard range. Obviously, it depends on how much new guys like Lamb get adjusted and you know how this offense operates, but I just think his price tag right now is a huge steal. Yeah, I'm actually a huge fan of Blake Jarwin. I started picking him up last year in leagues, and then I got blindsided when Jason Witten said he was coming out of retirement. Yeah, I thought last year was going to be his year too, and then oh. yeah. Man, I got blindsided. There were a couple leagues where I picked up him and Dalton Schultz, the uh, the young backup on the Cowboys, and I got murdered because of it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I like Jarwin a lot. I, uh, there's not many as many uh, mouths to feed in that tight end position now for the Cowboys. I think he's in a perfect uh, position to succeed. And I would not be surprised if he becomes a better tight end for your fantasy team. He may not start out the season as a guy you're going to start, but he could become a super quality backup or flex player, depending on how the season goes. Yeah, I don't consider him a starter by all means, but I mean, you can get this guy 20 plus rounds deep into a startup. Um, and I just think for his value right now, he could be a great guy you play when you're desperate in the flex spot or um, who knows, he may even have that good of a season where he becomes somebody you consider starting depending on the matchup. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, let's continue talking about this offense. I'm going to talk about a guy who everybody, you know, would already assume is a guy that you should like, and that's Dak Prescott. I think, you know what, the problem going on right now is he is asking for an insane amount of money. So it's making people forget that in 2019, he popped off. You know, for example, in 2018, he had 38, almost 3,900 yards for 22 TDs and eight interceptions. That was his best season to date up to that point. In 2019, this guy comes in, throws for 4,900 yards, 30 TDs against 11 interceptions. He had a fantastic year. And not only that, but that was in a contract year. This guy still wants to get paid. So he has more to prove. I think Dak last year was a top five fantasy QB easily. I think with the weapons they added in CD Lamb, bringing in Blake Jarwin full-time at the tight end position, and already having existing weapons in Gallup and Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott, not to mention one of the best offensive lines in football. How can you not talk about Dak Prescott other than just being ridiculously productive? Yeah, I like Dak. I don't like his character, but I like him uh, for fantasy, obviously. I'm a little annoyed. I think he's being a little greedy um, because I don't know how he doesn't see that, you know, taking too much money could bankrupt his team in other positions more than anything else. Um, I get it. He wants to get paid. The one thing I will say is I don't think his efficiency was that good last season. I mean, 4,900 yards is great, but 30 touchdowns with 4,900 yards, I mean – we already talked about Lamar on the show. I mean, he had 3,300 yards and, what, 38 touchdowns? So, yeah, I mean, I know I know Lamar was the efficiency king last year, but I'm still saying I normally like to see with guys like a touchdown every 100 to 200 yards, I mean, to like 150 yards or something like that. So I just think mm-hmm. he could have been more efficient, and that, that would be my only mark on him. Um, like I know in big play moments he didn't really show up, and I'll bring up the, the Bills game on Thanksgiving because it makes me happy. I think he was one of the reasons why they lost that game. I think to, in his defense for Dak, when they get into like the 10-yard line and deep, it becomes Zeke's game. That's true. Like Zeke, Zeke kind of takes over at that point. So I think you could kind of, there's an understanding on why Dak doesn't have as many TDs as, as a guy like uh, Lamar would have, because you got to remember too, like Lamar ran the ball pretty much every single play. And if not, it was like a, a pass that maybe went 15 yards. Yeah, no, I get it. I just think that I, I like him. Don't get me wrong. I just think he's asking for too much money. Um, it is what it is. Oh, not not disagree, not disagreeing. He's being a selfish little prick to to say like. Hey, he's a cowboy. What do you? What do we expect? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to bring up one guy though, who even though he's a cowboy, I I love this guy, and Luke knows I love this guy, uh, and that's uh-huh. that's Leighton Vanderesk. Um, in my opinion, this is perhaps the most talented linebacker in the league, um, at minimum top five as far as talent goes. Um, when he's healthy and on the field, I think he's easily a top five linebacker in the league for fantasy. Uh, and his draft value right now in IDP leagues, because he missed some time last year, is just so 
awesome. I mean, guys like TJ Watt and Shaq Barrett, like outside linebackers who are doubtful to repeat their numbers are going ahead of him. And you could get a guy like Layton who just eats up tackles. I mean, you have to remember in 2018, this guy put up 140 tackles while only starting 11 of 16 games. Just, just yeah, let that just let that sit in for a second. 140 tackles while only starting 11 of 16 games. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, if this guy's healthy, in my opinion, he's got linebacker one potential, and he has serious potential to be the number one linebacker in fantasy this season. Like, no joke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know about number one linebacker because I still think it's going to be like a Blake Martinez, a guy who just like – all he does is tackle because Vanderas can actually play some coverage, but I really like Leighton Vanderas a lot. You even, we've talked about before on the show. You have called him the real life Thad Castle. Yes, um, I agree with it. He is all over the field. He plays the strong side of this field so well. He is a hard hitter, and in between the numbers, you are not getting by this guy. He will lock down your best tight ends, and he will lock down your best running backs. And if for some reason they beat him, they're not getting very far because this guy will wrap them up. Well, yeah, and it's not even just him. Um, The linebacker core in there in general is definitely the Cowboys' greatest strength. I know you're about to talk about this next guy on this list. Perfect segue, and let's let's keep going with it. We're going to talk about his marching partner, and that's Jalen Smith. In IDP format, this guy is a top five linebacker, and there is a huge reason. Every single year since being healthy and entering the league, he has only improved his numbers. In 2017, it was 81 total tackles, then 121 next year, and last year has been his best season so far at 142. Granted, when LVE comes back and he's healthy, he will take some of those numbers. However, he is a guy who will always be consistent for 100-plus tackles. He dominates the middle of the field and not only can does well in coverage, but defends against the run exceptionally. This guy is my favorite dynasty linebacker to own besides Tremaine Edmonds. Yeah, I like Jalen a lot. Um, I think when you think about it, when they're both healthy on the field, I'm not sure anybody holds a candle to this linebacker duo in the entire league. Uh, the more I think about it, I think Jalen, when when Leighton Vandresk is on the field, is probably more bottom 10 tier, but he's still a great linebacker. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. If you can get a top 10 linebacker in fantasy, I think that's not going to be um, an, an issue to say the least. And it's just crazy. The two of them just do so much. And I think a lot of this falls back and we're going to talk about this a little later. I'm not a huge fan of this Cowboys front, um, you know, front line. Um, Demarcus Lawrence has diminished a lot. And I just think these guys have to pick up the slack a lot to make up for that weekend line. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting you talk about the um, the defensive line because they added they had some they they really made their defensive line old last year when they signed uh, Ger- Gerald McCoy and Don Don and Terry Poe to be their tackles. Like they just got extremely old, so it's going to be interesting to see how well this team works on paper. Theoretically, bringing in Don Terry Poe, who's probably one of the best run stuffers the league seen in the last 10 years is really good. And Gerald McCoy, who up until last year was a sack machine. 
So it'll be interesting to see if it makes uh, Jalen Smith and LVE's numbers better or worse having them there. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting. I know um, I'm still not crazy about it because I think getting young is always the answer. Um, But we'll talk about that in a second here. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, don't you worry. When we come back. We are going to do our favorite part of this show, and that's just absolutely rip on teams. So make sure you stick around. Okay, and welcome back. We're just going to jump into it. We are now going to slam some of the players on this team. I'm going to get us started, and I'm going to talk about a guy who is the last remaining speck of what the Tony Romo era was. That's Sean Lee. I think Sean Lee's career has been defined just as much as Tony Romo's. What if? What if he stayed healthy more as in his career? You know, it's interesting looking at the amount of games he played. His last season in 2019 was the first season he's ever played 16 games. He he is not a young man anymore. D- he is definitely not. Sean Lee went from being one of the most promising outside linebackers to a guy who is faulty because of how the lack of ability to stay on the field. When he is on the field, the guy is a tackling machine. That just proves when in 2016 and 15 games, he popped off for 145 tackles. The year before that was 128. And even in 2017, he had 101 tackles. The guy at one point was a tackling machine and had the talent to continue going on it. But now as he gets older, he's almost 33 at this point, I believe. He just doesn't have the same kick to his game. And the inability to stay healthy makes this guy a non-factor for the team. I think in fantasy, he's not even worth touching unless you are so depleted at linebacker, you have no other choice. He doesn't really offer much. He doesn't offer many sacks. He's not going to offer you many tackles. But most importantly, he's not going to offer you many games he can actually play. Yeah, it's tough. Lee was such a part of this team for so long. I think they kind of feel bad for him more than anything else, and that's why he stuck around. Um, But, yeah, with LVE coming back and up supposedly healthy and Jalen Smith there, I just don't see the workload being there for this guy to be even remotely relevant. Um, It's just – it's it's time. Um, I'm sure he's going to retire probably by the end of next season, if I had to guess, or try to play like another year or two somewhere else, uh, like Jason Winton weirdly did uh, <laughs> by going to the Raiders. <laughs> I'm not sure what that's about, but that's that's a story for another day. But you know, I don't I don't dislike Sean Lee. I think he was a guy who, as you said, injuries kind of faltered him uh, really badly. He had a bad stretch, especially early in the 2010s, um, where he was supposed to be peaking. And who knows what could have happened then. I think the whole mantra of the Tony Roma era is what if, as you said, um, because I think Tony is one of the one of the premier quarterbacks who is never going to win a Super Bowl, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it sucks. He was a really good quarterback, especially as an undrafted free agent. Yeah. But you know what? I think going forward for him, his best time is ahead of him as a commentator. 
Well, yeah, and he's a great commentator, and he just got paid, man. So good for him. Like, I'm pretty sure he's the highest paid commentator in like all of America. <laughs> like, just... history. He's the highest paid commentator in history. This guy's making more as a commentator than he ever did as a freaking quarterback. <laughs> uh, insanity. Uh, to continue the trend for guys who um, are lost out, you know, players we hate this season. Uh, this one's tough to talk about because I was super high on this guy, and Luke has a lot of shares of this guy, so I don't know how he's handling it right now. Um, and that's that's Michael Gallup. Um, I'm sorry, guys. Like, I don't know how else you want me to dice it, but Michael Gallup lost out um, badly. Uh, the addition of CeeDee Lamb is probably going to push Gallup down into the slot uh, where he'll probably have some success, but you're not going to see – uh, 66 receptions and 1,100 yards um, like he did last season. I I very much doubt Gallup clears even 1,000 yards this season. Uh, with the Cowboys signing Amari to a massive extension this offseason and Gallup's contract coming to an end shortly, I just think this guy's going to be out a new home soon. Uh, CeeDee Lamb is easily one of the most talented uh, players that we've ever seen come into the game at the wide receiver position, especially in the last decade. I highly doubt uh, Gallup has the skill to keep him back, and that's not a knock against the guy. It's just the facts of the situation. If you can get Gallup right now for cheap, I think he's a great hold. You're not going to be able to really play him this year or trust him, in my opinion, but if he goes somewhere else next offseason or the year after that, this is still a really young and talented player. Yeah, I really liked Gallup last season. He was my one of my young guys that I was targeting in almost every league. I wanted every share of him that I could get my grimy little hands on. Um, I, it sucks. I see so much talent and potential in this guy's future. Um, I still think if you can buy him, just as Kyle said, buy now. He's cheap. If he ends up leaving the Cowboys when his contract is done, I'm telling you, he will continue to produce at the rate that he did in 2019. I'm not sure where C.D. Lamb is going to affect his impact. I I just don't. Uh, I don't know who's really going to line up in the slot. It won't be Amari Cooper, but I don't know if it's going to be Gallup or if it's going to be C.D. Most likely, it'll be Gallup. It sucks. I think Michael Gallup is one of the most promising young wide receivers in the league. He didn't. He definitely did not have a sophomore slump, and it sucks that we may never see what this guy could have been for the Cowboys. Yeah, and you know it's just a shitty situation more than anything else. And I think you made a good point there. There's a lot of people scared on Amari, but he's not on our list here. Uh, I'm going to tell you the exact opposite about Amari. Amari's ADP right now is a beautiful buying point. Uh, you can get this guy dirt cheap, and he's the one there. They just paid him. Like, it might be Lambs in, like, two or three years, but Mari will probably be on a new home by then, too. Like, I, would, yeah. I wouldn't be worried about Amari when you can get him in the fourth and fifth round like you can right now. Yeah, and the problem is with this and what really upsets me about this whole wide receiver situation, it's not like Amari Cooper's an old guy and Michael Gallup no. and CeeDee Lamb are the young guns. They're all ridiculously yeah. young and entering their Amari's prime. Amari's the oldest of the bunch, but I would say he hasn't even entered his prime yet. He's not 27. Like, and that's yeah, what, he's 25. Yeah, and that's the prime for wide receivers. A guy like DeAndre Hopkins is supposedly entering his prime as he moves to the Cardinals right now. Thank God. That guy needs <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Let's keep going. I'm going to talk about another offensive piece. This one, you might be scratching your head and you say, well, you know, Luke, 
well, why would you say this? But you know what? A guy I really don't like on the Cowboys. Let me preface this. Preface Prefacize? Okay. okay. Yeah, that's not that right. Sounds right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me preface this by saying I really like Tony Pollard. I do a lot. There is talent behind the guy. In eight in last year on 86 rushes, he had 455 yards, averaging 5.3 yards per carry. Yeesh. In two in two games as a backup, he had a hundred plus yards. That's insanity. The reason I don't like him going forward is because he will never be able to show off what makes him so special when stuck behind Ezekiel Elliott. And not just that, now that they have added C.D. Lamb, there is going to be a new emphasis on the pass game in Dallas, and it will affect the run game. It won't affect Zeke as much because Zeke will still run for yards, and he's a pass-catching beast. But Polar just does not fall under the same boat. He doesn't he doesn't land in the same atmosphere as Zeke. And it sucks. I think Pollard could be a thousand yard rusher on any other team. I was honestly surprised Tampa Bay didn't go after and trade for this guy when they were going through their oh, we need a running back phase. It sucks. I really like Tony Pollard. He was a I drafted him in a couple rookie leagues last year. But, you know, like going forward, unless this guy gets out of the Cowboys locker room, he has no future. He has no value. Only if Zeke gets injured, knock on wood. Yeah, it sucks with Tony Pollard. And it's actually funny. Uh, I'm going to take a shot at the Cowboys right here, right now, uh, and their organization. You paid Ezekiel Elliott and you paid Amari Cooper when Tony Pollard arguably could have been close to as good as Zeke and CeeDee Lamb could have been as close to as good as Amari. Yeah, that is true. I, to, it, to be fair, when they paid Amari, they had no idea CD was going to Yeah, fall. but that's true. But, I mean, this wide receiver class was crazy. I mean, they did know that. And the possibility that somebody like even Regor was going to be there. I mean, I think they should have let Amari walk. I think they should have let Zeke walk. I think they should have signed Jones, who they didn't, and went to Miami. Because I think cornerbacks are way harder to find than something like a running back or wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And Byron, yeah, that's and Byron was one of the best in the league. Like, I mean, if you wanted to pay somebody this offseason, you should have paid Byron. Yeah, he was worth every single dollar that the Dolphins paid him in my. Well, opinion. yeah, they now they now possess the two best corner, two of the best corners in. The well, league. yeah, and that's why people are saying Miami's building a blueprint towards the Patriots because the Patriots that's like the only position they do pay for is corner. Like, but um, we don't want to get too distracted, but like, we're just talking like, I mean, the Cowboys just seem to love to overpay guys and at the wrong positions. And that's actually a perfect correlation for this next guy. Um, somebody who got really paid last off season. And I, in my opinion, hasn't really showed up since he got paid. And that's Demarcus Lawrence. Um, mm-hmm. The Marcus Lawrence was franchise tagged like two years in a row. So in my opinion, he kind of did deserve to get paid just because I think the Cowboys did him kind of dirty uh, those two, two seasons in a row. But uh, this was a healthy man last season who didn't show up for this team. I just feel like he wasn't the same. Um, I remember when I used to 
who grabbed Lawrence in uh, drafts, like, you know, back in 16 and 17. He was one of the t- upper tier of defensive ends. I mean, his 17 season is awesome. 14.5 sacks, uh, 58 tackles. I mean, that's a top 10 numbers right there. Um, it just feels like this guy's slipping. He's already 28 now at this point. He only managed five sacks last season. And it goes back to the point that they don't have a lot of help on that line. Um and they didn't add that much help, in my opinion. They added aging talents, as Luke said, and more uh, old guys, to say the least. Um, but instead of taking something on the line in the first round, um, they decided to take CeeDee Lamb, which I get because he was the best talent on the board. But I think somebody like AJ Empanenza, who ended up on the Bills, could have been a really breath of fresh air for the Cowboys. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna be straight with you. I was never high on Demarcus Lawrence. I could have, I could have told you this was gonna happen years ago. You know what? Look, let me say this. In 2015, he had a very productive season. He put up eight sacks and 55 tackles. Productive for a defensive end. In 2017, he popped off out of nowhere for 14 and a half sacks, 58 tackles. Incredible. That guy deserved to go to the Pro Bowl. He deserved an all-pro nod. He deserved to get paid. He didn't. He got franchise tagged. He put up 10 and a half sacks the season after in 2018. Mm -hmm. I think that was the call that this guy isn't it. His production dipped. He didn't get better. You don't pay somebody because they're stagnant. You pay somebody because they get better and better and better. You, you, I understand paying a guy like, let's say Julio Jones, Julio Jones doesn't get stagnant. He gets better every year. He is worth every dime you throw at the kid. Demarcus Lawrence, other than those three seasons, he only has 39 combined sacks from 2014 to 2019. The guy's been in the league for six years and has only put up 39 sacks and is being paid like he is an Aaron Donald, a Khalil Mack, a Fletcher Cox. Insane. Insanity. I never liked the guy, and I hope he's cut from the team in a couple years so they can take that salary cap and put it towards something else. Yeah, I agree. And 39 sacks isn't bad for most players, but when you're getting paid top five numbers, you should be putting up top five fucking numbers. And that's the last thing I'll say on that. He's, he is making almost close. I think he's 10 million off what JJ Watt is making. And let's just compare notes real quick. JJ Watt, three time defensive player of the year has put up 20 sacks twice in his career. And I think almost every single time, Almost every season, except for the last, uh, almost the last two seasons, has put up double digit yeah. sacks. Uh, is and he's and and it's just not even close. Production. Yeah, and I just looked it up. Demarcus Lawrence, five year deal, one hundred and five million dollars. Basically, very similar to what they gave Amari. They love these five year, hundred million dollar deals. <laughs> it's I don't understand. Like I've said this before on this show. I'm going to say it again. Does anybody on this team understand analytics? <laughs> like I don't, I don't, I will, I'm, I will be the first guy to tell you I don't understand the like the super super hard to uh, crack analytics where it's like A plus B equals D plus C or whatever. I'll never understand that. That's not me. But I can tell you this: 
super dumb analytics is, well, if I invest too much into one position, I won't have enough to pay the other positions. If they pay Dak uh, like uh, with an insane amount of money he's asking, let's say he gets paid Russell Wilson type money. Russell Wilson is signed to like what, $130 million? Yeah. Okay, so if they pay Dak that, they are paying four players on that team a combined 400 plus million dollars. Yeah. What? Like, what? And then by the time it turns around and you have to pay Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, Diggs, who they just drafted to be their next starting corner, you have no money to spend anywhere. You're screwed. Yeah, that's that's the Fuck. problem. And Wilson was four years, 140, but in my opinion, he's worth the money. He's way better than Dak. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I just want to point something else, too. They signed Zach Martin in 2018 to a six-year extension worth $84 million. Well, what I tell you, the Cowboys are headed to cap problems. I've said that before. Oh, my God. It's just like, hire a real GM, <laughs> please. You know what, Jerry Jones? You did well in the 90s. I'll give you that. You did amazing drafting some of those guys. You did amazing winning some of those championships. But this is in the 90s. You're fucking old. Your son's an idiot. Hire a GM. It's not that Boom. Hard. Mic drop. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, we just went on a tangent. That was really bad. Um, when we come back, we are going to do a team breakdown, break down the schedule, how we think they'll finish, and give you some of our hot takes for them next season. So make sure you stick around. Okay, and we are back. Let's just jump into it. We are now giving our takes for how the Cowboys season will go. So just so you know, before we get into this, Kyle has the Redskins going 4-12, and the Giants going 5-11, and and the Eagles going 10-6. and Whereas I have the Redskins going 2-14, and the Giants going 7-9, and and the Eagles going 9-7. and so, Kyle, why don't you get us started? Hit us up with your takes on the schedule and the team in general. Yeah, this is another interesting one. And we've said it before. We could definitely see the Eagles and Cowboys both flip-flopping here. Uh, it just really depends on those divisional matchups and how the season uh, makes out. But, yeah, uh, they got a... Honestly, not that bad of a schedule, so maybe they could thank their shit season last year for it. Uh, they got the Rams first, then Atlanta and Seahawks. That's one of their harder stretches, I would say, and Cleveland as well. Um, it depends which Cleveland shows up this season. Uh, then they have New York, Arizona, Washington, which is a nice, easy stretch in my opinion because I don't think Arizona's there yet. Uh, then they have Philly, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Washington, another I'm not sure, Stretch. Honestly, if Pittsburgh's back, that could be a really tough game for them. Um, and the Vikings are strangely good sometimes and strangely bad at other times. Uh, and then they have Baltimore in Week 13. After that, they have the Bengals, San Francisco, Philly, and New York. So not a horrible closing stretch outside of San Fran once they pass Baltimore. In my opinion, they go 11-5. and five. I think they beat the Rams and Falcons uh, back-to-back to start the season, and they beat the Browns. I think they lose to the 
Seahawks. I think they beat the Giants twice and the Redskins twice, and I think they beat the Cardinals, the Eagles, the Vikings, and the Bengals all once. Um, I think it's going to be a good season for them. I think they're going to take the NFC East because of what happened last year, and I just think in general, I think I think the Cowboys are going to have a good year. Yeah, you know what? I agree with you. I think it is a toss-up, but I do think the Cowboys just have the better roster. More importantly, the better defense that separates themselves from the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I do believe they're going to be really good with this offense as well. I think, though, that they're going to go and hit the illustrious 12-4 and record. I think they can do it. I think they can pull it off. I think they beat the Rams, but I think they beat the Falcons, the Browns. I think they beat the Giants twice, the Redskins twice. I think they beat the Cardinals. I think they beat the Eagles once and lose the second time. I think they beat the Vikings. I think they beat the Bengals, and I think they beat Pittsburgh. I think this team is really set up to succeed. It's all questioning on Dak and the secondary for that team. I'm putting it all out there. Dak and the secondary they have will make or break this season. I think if they were never going to re-sign Byron Jones, I don't know why they didn't go out and trade for Darius Slay or sign Desmond Trufant, who are both starting caliber cornerbacks that wouldn't allow for your second-round rookie to have to start who has been labeled as raw and unprepared for the next level. Well, sorry, I'm getting upset again. Um, but yeah, so I think that they, uh, <laughs> I think that they go twelve and four. I think they pop off. I think they lose to Seattle. I think they, I think they lose to Baltimore. I think they lose to San Fran, and they lose to Philly once. I don't think they're in the upper echelon of teams yet, but I don't think they're terrible either. See, that's interesting because. You talk about them having a better defense than the Eagles, but it's funny. We talked about the Eagles, too, and if you put the Cowboys and Eagles together, you actually have a very good defense. The Eagles have a really good front. Um, they would have Darius Slay in that backfield. They have no linebackers, so you'd have Leighton Van Der Esk and Jalen Smith. I like that defense if you just toss them together into one unit. <laughs> I don't think there's a single Eagles or Cowboys fan that would ever want that to happen yeah <laughs> no probably not but it is interesting so your difference is you have them beating the Steelers and I don't I think the Steelers are back this season um as long as Ben is back um and that's the big difference if Ben is back and healthy I think the Steelers are forced to be reckoned with but I agree with you I don't think the Cowboys are an upper echelon team and with the money they're throwing around I'm afraid this is going to be another Rams situation only they're not going to even make the Super Bowl like they're just going to pay too much money, throw too much at everyone and uh, kind of miss their window because I know that's the mindset right now with L.A. is that maybe the Rams have already passed the window. Yeah, I think they have to make it to the Super Bowl this year in order to justify the amount of spending they spending they have done in the last Well, yeah, year. and their their window is closing and I know they say a rookie quarterback is the best window to have. So, if Dak was a smart guy and actually stayed making the money he made right now, that'd be for the best or take something as a bridge contract for a season or two would be best, but he's not going to do that. We'll get on to our bold predictions because we could just do this all day and we went on a tangent before. <laughs> we don't want that to happen again. Luke, you want to start us off with the bold ones? Yeah, sure. I only have a handful because I don't think I don't think there's anything huge that you wouldn't guess. Um, I, I so I'll start. I think the Cowboys will have three wide receivers with 700 plus yards. I think Dak throws for 
4,500 plus and 40 TDs. I think he cracks the 40 TD mold. There's no way that he doesn't. I think Zeke rushes, and this is a very specific number, but remember, I'm smart. You're not. (laughs) Kidding, kidding. Um, But I think Zeke rushes for a 1,350 plus yards and leads the league in rushing TDs and rushing yards. I think Mike McCarthy revamps the offense and helps to create a passing game that complements Dak's strengths and hides his weaknesses. We saw this in in McCarthy's peak of coaching the uh, Packers. And I think mostly, and I know Kyle will agree with me on this one because it's one of his takes, the Cowboys secondary will rank as one of the worst in the league and the team's defense will have to be carried by the front seven. I'm definitely on board with the secondary. It's one of my takes as well is that they're going to be horrible. I think they should have signed Byron Jones. I know I've said that multiple times, so I'll let it rest. Uh, The Mike McCarthy hire was interesting because I thought he was past his prime with Green Bay, but now I'm hearing all these really good things about McCarthy. Like the year off was really good for him. Apparently he studied a bunch of the analytics of the game, and McCarthy in his peak was a very good head coach. So if you have a revamped McCarthy that now is probably pissed off and has a chip on his shoulder, I could definitely see him getting Dak to become a superstar and hiding his flaws, as you said, perfectly. Uh, And for my bold predictions, um, I think Zeke balls out as well. Um, I definitely think people think he had a down season last year. And by all means for Zeke, I I would I would concur with that. I think he did have a down season. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets close to the 2,000-yard marker for all-purpose yards. I'm not going to say he's going to crack it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does get up to that upper echelon of players like the Christian McCaffrey's because he really is one of the few players that can do that. Um, I think Amari Cooper, despite what everybody else thinks, stays red hot and goes north of 1,000 yards again and finishes a top 10 wide receiver again this season. Um, I think Blank Jarwin, who I talked about earlier on the show, clears 600 yards, which I don't think is that far-fetched for him, and maybe has about five touchdowns, which would be a very good step for his first season as a full tight end starter. And then my last prediction is that Leighton Vanderesk stays healthy this season. Hopefully, please fucking God. Uh, and <laughs> he uh, stays healthy this season and he leads the league in tackles is my second vote. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I, I like all of your hot takes. I always have um, one that's you're like, uh, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I It's curious. I don't know. Okay. I know I crapped on Sean Lee, but if he stays healthy and LVE stays healthy and Jalen Smith stays healthy, knock on wood, they probably have the best linebacking core in the league. And I think it's going to start affecting stats. And I think it all depends on if Sean Lee is on the field or not. If Sean Lee's on the field, I don't know if LVE and Jalen Smith pop off like they did the last two years. But if he's not, I, I think I think uh, I think they both go tremendously gangbusters. Yeah, I I wanted discredit that i think i just am a huge lv fan it's getting out of control honestly at this point uh you guys know i have a few guys who i just can't get enough of and lv is one of them and the only other one on the cowboys that's like that for me this offseason it seems to be is amari uh just because of how much he's falling him uh mari cooper odell beckham jr and juju at their current adps huh. Woo. like are you kidding me i'll take them all day dude 
You know, it's interesting that you say that because Zeke has actually been taking a tumble in drafts mm-hmm. as well. Granted, he always goes in the first round, but in more drafts, I've been seeing him go back back into the draft. Like I've picked up Zeke as in as late as the ninth pick in some drafts. Yeah, I mean it's definitely interesting to see. The drafts are always weird for fantasy, um, but when you can get good value at wide receiver, I always take it. Yeah, you know what? To be fair, I actually have sold every single Zeke share except for one. Yeah, every single one. I sold one to you, sold one to – I ripped off another kid. Absolutely ripped them off. Traded Ezekiel Elliott for Nick Chubb and Clyde Edward Hilaire. That was a – oh, that was a steal. I felt so good about myself after that. <laughs> I got such a good night's sleep. Yeah, that's that's a killer <laughs> trade. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I won't, uh, won't toot my own horn too much. I know I've been ripped off in trades as well. It happens. It happens. You know, we can't all be winners in, in trades. But, uh, you know, when we come back, we are going to bring on a special guest. He, he is a Cowboys fan. You know what? Shocking. I know, right? It's not like every single Cowboys fan isn't up on their Instagram saying, trust in Dak. We dumb boys. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. throwing up the X at every opportunity they get. But yeah, so when we come back, we will bring on a Cowboys fan. He's going to give us his opinions on the team. So make sure you stick around. All right, guys, and welcome back. You know what time it is. We have our special guest on, a good guy named Kyle, who's come onto the show because we actually don't know very many Cowboys fans, it turns out. So we have reached this guy on Twitter, and he was down to come on and try to, like, you know, debate with us on his horrible team. Kyle, how you doing? <laughs> Off to a hell of a start, gentlemen. Good to be here. Uh, yeah, dude, Cowboys fans are hard to find, but I, I will, uh, which, which is probably obviously a joke, but I will say that rational Cowboys fans are hard to find, and hopefully I can bring a little bit of that today, man, because I'm a diehard, but but damn, man, some some of our people out here are, are off the rails, bro. <laughs> no, nah, dude, I, I get it completely. You have to understand, too, I'm from New York, so you guys are like a dime a dozen if that for me. <laughs> dude, it, it's been funny. We've had a few guests on uh, our show this year, and not a ton yet, but like I would say I, we've had at least three or four people from New York, and I'm and a couple of my knew, but then a, you know a few of my I didn't know where their alliances were, and you know they were Giants fans, so we we made it through the podcast. So hopefully we can too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I, I get it. I love the passion. Yeah, we're I'm not too worried about it. Um, we're just gonna jump right in with it, Luke. You want to start us off with the first question? Yeah. So you know I'm curious. So. You know, last year, I think it was expected that the Cowboys would go in and put up a pretty successful season and go in and uh, definitely compete for the conference. And they just completely crapped the bed. Uh, So uh, what are your exact thoughts on last season? And uh, what's the fallout of you guys not being the Super Bowl contender you guys thought you were? And what's the what do you think is something you guys have done well that's going to make you succeed going into next season yeah i mean la- last year was kind of just the same old story for this era of <laughs> the dallas cowboys uh which which is now turned the page i guess that finishing eight and eight, eight and eight once again uh it's just this is what the cowboys do man they'll, they'll win the division like they did in 2018 they'll come out and fall just short uh it always seems to come down to those last few games you lose a divisional game on the road it's just what we do um, especially under Jason Garrett. So eight and eight, second in the NFC East last season. 
Uh, they haven't won a division title back-to-back season since the mid-90s. So you're kind of just used to it uh, with this group of Cowboys, man. And, you know, the, clearly the, the fallout, you know, whether they were a Super Bowl contender or not is debatable. I, I think that they're a strong team. They're, they're a team that doesn't really ever look to necessarily, like, rebuild. Uh, they always think, you know, they always act like they're in it. Uh, some years that that's the case. Some years it's not. Last year, I, I think that they had a team that was definitely – in play to win that division. Uh, and I, I think they had the talent there, uh, but just came up short, didn't win big games, uh, you know, lo- lost to the Jets, for God's sakes. I mean, they, they just, they didn't capitalize on opportunities that they had in front of them. So when you do, when you finish eight and eight, once again, again, not winning divisional tires and putting that together um, year after year, after nine seasons, Jason Garrett finally let go. Um, so, you know, the fallout is just that, these guys lost their jobs and it was just to the point where uh, Jerry, I think for me had to prove that the most important thing to him was winning a Super Bowl uh, over the last four or five years. I think the most important thing to him was winning a Super Bowl with Jason Garrett. Uh, and that, and that's finally come to a close here. So Garrett is, is a, you know, he's a decent coach. There's, there's nothing wrong with what he did during his time in Dallas, but when you get to a certain point, man, you gotta, you gotta find your way to the top. You're never going to win anything just by riding that middle and, and uh, finishing where they were over the last, you know, handful of years. It's a fair point you make there. So uh, here's my question for you then to follow up on that. Do you still believe in Jerry Jones and Steven Jones (laughs) or have you given up? Dude, man, I don't have a choice. Giving up's not an option for me. (laughs) I mean, we're uh, anybody out there that is passionate about their NFL organization, man, you got to do a lot, I think, to, to lose a fan. And there's definitely some teams that have tried. You're talking about all the teams that have moved cities over the last few years, I can't even imagine. I mean, where I, I live outside of Chicago. Uh, so, like, you know, the Rams, uh, they were never, like, a huge rival, obviously, the Bears or anything like that. But, you know, they rel- were relatively close in St. Louis. And I just can't even imagine my team up and leaving. So, I clearly don't have to ever worry about that just because, one, I don't live in the area. Um, but, but two, like, the Cowboys are just so entrenched in the league. And Well, yeah, um, they, you know, they said so. the, they're the, what is it, like, the highest grossing sports team? In yeah. like out of any sport in, in the, the world, <laughs> yeah, like in the world, like or something ridiculous like that. And I think yeah. I think the problem lies with the team is Jerry Jones is a fan first, and I've mm-hmm. heard that tons of times. And because of that, he doesn't always think logically. And this is a perfect segue. I think Amari's extension this offseason was very emotional and not logical. And I think Byron Jones should have been the priority. What do you think about that? Yeah, the the Mari extension, of course, got a lot of pub because this team will all, anything the Cowboys do gets just blown out of proportion. Uh, <laughs> you know, to a, just a insane levels. I can't even watch like ESPN or main mainstream ma- media. Skip Bayless re- loves re- ripping you guys every day. Skip dude, Bayless, I- this, Skip Bayless, that. <laughs> I hate, dude. Skip Bayless is the worst. <laughs> the worst man. I. That's a different. That's a different topic. But for Cooper, man. The thing that really just put a spotlight on this deal was over the course of the last, you know, 12 months, uh, the Cowboys have had all of these contracts come due, you know, and when you're talking about, you know, uh, you know, Zeke's contract and then there was the when are they paying Dak and they acquired Cooper for that first round pick, you know, is that was that just for 18 months? Are they going to franchise them? And uh, then you had all of the, 
the deals with the the CBA coming up. So do they have two franchise tags and, and or you know transition tag and a franchise tag to use this year? It was just it was a lot of craziness. And then on top of that, the Cowboys went out. You know, from a just an NFL perspective, they went out. They gave contract extensions to L. Collins last offseason to Jalen Smith last offseason. Mm-hmm. So it was like you know where is all this money going to get divvied up to when all the chips fall? And it, and it came up that you know they they paid Zeke obviously, and then they were due three big free agent uh, contracts potentially this off season. And one of course being Dak Prescott, who's still outstanding, Mark Cooper, who they gave the, the hundred million dollars to and, and Byron Jones, who they let walk. But for me personally, I, I do get the need of, of, you know, committing to some resources to the defense, man. All of this money's team is sunk into this offense. When you look from the offensive line to, uh, to now the receivers and Zeke uh, and, and the quarterback uh, tab, it, it came due and it's, it's here already, whether they get the extension done or not, but, for Cooper, you know, with five years, hundred million, man, that that number jumps off the page, and those are nice round numbers that everyone can you know yell and scream about, and it makes him the high, the second highest K wide <laughs> receiver in the league. For, in reality, though, th- this is a this is a two year contract. Um, they it's definitely front loaded as far as the dead money goes. It really yeah. breaks down to a two year, forty million dollar contract, and I'm I'm totally fine paying Amari Cooper twenty million over the next two seasons uh, from that standpoint, separate of the Byron Jones issue. Uh, six million in dead cap if they cut him after the 2021 season, and you know we all have the <laughs> the benefit of a little bit of hindsight here. CD Lamb falling to the Cowboys at 17, and the Cowboys actually going best player available instead of you know clearly drafting for need. Now this team is loaded, but at the time when they signed Amari, this team had nobody at wide receiver, so they had they had to make a choice. They had they couldn't just go into the season with Michael Gallup. And and really nobody else, even Tavon Austin's a free agent. Randall Cobb was a free agent. Uh, so yeah, the, the contract seems overly expensive, but it's it's a little bit of funny money because that's just how the NFL is. And as frustrating as hell as Amari Cooper is to own, uh, from a from a fantasy perspective, the man, worst. What, y- yes, <laughs> what he brings to this offense and what he does for for Dak Prescott is is, is huge. So you know I. I definitely didn't love how they've spent their money over the course of the last, you know, 12 to 15 months. Uh, but I think it's just something that they had to do in the, in the situation. And I, I totally agree. Jerry definitely operates more as a fan traditionally, but I, th- I think he's got some of the right people in his ears, you know, uh, here and there when, you know, when he the draft picks over the last few years, especially. So didn't love it, but um, it, it, what it does for this offense and really it's just a two year deal. I can live with that. So here's my question for you then is because Gallup exploded last year beside Amari Cooper and you mentioned that they brought in CeeDee Lamb. How's your feeling going into the next fantasy season rocking Michael Gallup? Is he a buy? Is he a hold or is he a sell for you? Uh, for me right right now, Michael Gallup is, is still a, is a buy based off of just kind of the roller coaster <laughs> uh, perception that we've seen over well, the last people want to sell them to you for like a second round pick right now. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> you go, can get it for a bag of chips. Go, <laughs> go get them, man. I mean, the one thing to keep in mind with not just this team, but across the NFL, as we approach the 2020 season is that this rookie class includes some studs and people it's are going to be clamoring for these rookies. But if you're talking about for 2020 production, there is some real concern as much as I don't want there to be over how quick these rookies are going to be able to get acclimated with our current situation. I mean, it's just the facts, man. These guys are not going to be able to interact with their, even just at a basic level of being around their coaches and teammates, like, you know, they would in a normal year. But for me, Gallup was somebody that 
he would he would just fit the perfect perfect narrative. He was in a he's in a high volume passing offense. He had he's shown progression over his first two seasons in the league. The magic buzzword third year breakout for a wide receiver. Everything was on the table for this guy. Um, and then CD Lamb is brought in. I still think that based off of what the Cowboys are going to have to do, they're gonna have to throw the ball near six hundred times once again. Uh, Amari Cooper coming back still provides an alpha on the outside, regardless of whether you think he's worth the money or not. He's still a precision route runner and can draw that, you know, that elite coverage. And sometimes he can't beat it <laughs> all the time. We saw that, uh, <laughs> but, it, but it opens the field up for the rest of this offense. And when you factor in, obviously what they do in the run game, Cooper being the one is, is honestly not a bad thing for this offense. Again, 600 pass attempts, I think is on the table. Once again, Cooper is not a 160 target guy. He did what he did last year on 120 targets, and Gallup came, you know, just seven targets behind that, and, and had a really nice season. Um, so I think Gallup, you know, he had a thousand yards, he had six touchdowns. What's I kind of wish the Cowboys wouldn't have <laughs> used him so much in that Week 17 game because he only had three touchdowns entering that that game. So his, you know, on the year numbers wouldn't have been as high when you're looking at fantasy points. Um, but dude, I'm I'm buying Gallup, man. Like I said, I think that uh, Cooper could be just, you know. A, you know, on a two-year deal, Gallup will be up by that time as well. So the Cowboys would have to re-sign him in order to keep him in Dallas. But I still think Gallup is a is a fine wide receiver three option, even for 2020. I still think he's got some of that upside that people are hoping for. It's just when you bring in C.D. Lamb and just so polarizing, you know, the the immediate reaction is like, well, they can't all three be good. Um, but I actually, I actually think they can. Uh, I think there's enough to go around for these guys. So I'm buying Michael Gallup right now if I can get him. Yeah, I don't hate that take. I know it's going to be tough. I just feel like sometimes somebody loses out in the exchange, but the Cowboys do pass enough that it might be uh, worth still getting him, especially at his price tag right now. We're and talking about the offensive side. Oh, if you want to put on I was just going to say the one, one more point to that is like somebody losing out, like that's totally true. But the best part about this for a fantasy perspective is you got 165 targets gone from this offense between Randall Cobb and Jason Witten. So – not all those targets are going to go just to the wide receivers. They know they're going to get spread out a little bit. But, I mean, Randall Cobb had 83 targets last year over 800 yards and was really just kind of getting acclimated to this team. So I, I think there's, you know, while, yeah, it's going to be tough for all three to reach the heights that we were, hope, you know, that we'd hope for, I do think there's enough to go around there where, you know, available targets, when you actually break down all the rookies and landing spots and, uh, and things which we went through after the NFL draft on our show, it's just like, man, there's actually the most opportunity for Lamb and thus still leaves some on the table for Gallup to at minimum do what he did last year, I think. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good point. Um, we talked about Blake Jarwin on the show a little bit earlier about as a potential guy who's going <laughs> to succeed with um, Jason Winton gone. I guess before I move on to the Dak question, you know, the elephant in the move, what do you think about Blake Jarwin? <laughs> uh, Jarwin is somebody that this co- this team needs. He's a he's a chief. Yes. He's a cheap guy that uh, I do think has shown some flashes. I mean, he's been, uh, you know, when you look at the 2018 season, they really, they really didn't have anything to answer the or fill the gap of Jason Witten, a, a guy that's been on the team, provides leadership and all those things, but had just been uh, just a, you know, a pillar for this organization for all those years. And I don't really think there was really anybody ready to step up. I think Witten coming back last year definitely, you know, helped this offense, but I think also helped uh, Jarwin, and the opportunities that he was given, man, he really did capitalize. I mean, he had mm-hmm. some really big plays in big spots. Big play potential is what I wrote down multiple times, man. Yeah, I do. I think he he's not going to be, you know, with Lamb coming in, I, I do think that that limits his upside just a bit. I actually had Jarwin inside my just inside my top twelve at tight end, which 
once you Ooh. get past that top eight or so, it doesn't really matter, <laughs> uh, you know, but I do think there was enough upside. They were like, damn, okay, you could start this guy, you know, in 2020 as a streamer and, and see where it goes. Um, you know, the, between Jason Witten and Jarwin last year, they had the seven touchdowns. Uh, they had 900 yards, you know, so not all those are going to go to just one guy, but with lamb there now, I think you got to limit expectations just a little bit. I do think Jarwin is still a streamable tight end option. Uh, when I broke down some numbers for this offense, I, I don't really think that while most of the time when I see a guy that has a career year like Dak Prescott, um, just under 5,000 yards, 30 touchdowns the first time in his career, over 23 passing touchdowns, like, damn, dude, regression alerts start going off and just back back off, you know, you know, steer clear. But I, I think a lot of things change for this team, and I think that the production could still be there for this offense, especially when you factor in that this defense probably not going to be great once again. So for Jarwin, I, I, I kind of had him projected, you know, if you give him his, you know, his stats last year, which were respectable for a backup tight end and even just a portion of Jason Witten's production, which again, the volume, you know, is important, but I think Jarwin can do more with what Witten, you know, had. So I, I kind of, I have Jarwin right now penciled in for about, uh, you know, 65 receptions, uh, just under 700 yards and five touchdowns. That's a startable tight end. So, uh, you know, you just gotta, you, you gotta find the, the weeks, you know, to play him and he's going to be a streamer to start. So right now he's outside my top 12, but he's definitely a candidate that you can start your season with um, for fantasy. Yeah. I think that would be good for his ADP right now. If you can get that out of him, I don't think you'd be complaining. Um, moving on here. Uh, we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, Dak Prescott and his contract situation. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? And are the Cowboys headed to cap hell? <laughs> well, the, the man, the most popular thing in the NFL, of course, is just getting this, getting a cheap quarterback, spending money elsewhere and, and trying to make that run. And the Cowboys did a hell of a job of showing organizations how not to take advantage of that because Dak was making <laughs> just beans, dude, for, for nothing. Uh, my the most hilarious thing ever is when you hear these guys telling, you know, telling Dak like, oh, you, he should in the media take a pay cut. You have all these other endorsements. That doesn't matter. The dude made nothing for years, outperformed his contract, and unfortunately, based off of this CBA and what these NFL players have to deal with, they aren't able to cash in like they, they should be able to unless teams are willing to take that jump early, <clears throat> the Rams. So when you look at Prescott, <laughs> uh, Dallas screwed this up, dude. I mean, they, they are, right now, they obviously have to pay Dak over $30 million on the franchise tag, and, that, and that's going to happen worst-case scenario here. Never have the Cowboys really played hardball with negotiations. Uh, even look at Zeke last year. They paid him, you know, to get him in, into camp. They're, they're going to do the same thing with Dak eventually. But the issue is they knew they were going to pay him. It's a situation you're in. Even roll the clock back, you know, to one year ago. Maybe, you know, you don't think Dak is an elite top five quarterback or whatever. And, and Dak bet on himself and and he won out in this. Whoever may, whoever signs the last contract makes the most money at the quarterback position. That's just how it is. So the Cowboys sat back. They paid Ezekiel Elliott. And then they watched Jared Goff sign his contract extension. They watched Carson Wentz sign a contract extension. I mean, the, the the numbers just keep going up and up and up for this team. So when you're in, when you have a quarterback, you don't really have a choice but to continue to play him. Look at Cincinnati. I mean, they it took them years to finally move on from Andy Dalton just because they they eventually had to. But the the haves and the have-nots of this league are are decided by who has a quarterback. You know, so I, I think that Dallas doesn't have a choice. They're eventually going to have to pay up for Dak Prescott. The contract extension will get done, I think. And now they're going to be in a position where they have even more money committed to this offense with Dak Prescott taking up, you know, 35 plus million probably. So, um, you know, it's not going to help uh, as far as spending money elsewhere. But I, I think this team is 
finally, for the first time in a while, actually actually worked out the cap situation to be manageable um, for this team. They're not going to have a ton of money to spend, uh, but they don't have any really premier free agents besides the pending Dak Prescott contract until after the 2022 season. Um, you know, they've, they've already signed a lot of these guys long-term as far as their, their big playmakers on, on the offensive side of the ball on defense, they continue to be kind of a year to year, grab these flyers and, and plug and play and see what happens. They did that once again, um, this off season with a bunch of veteran contracts, you know, on, on a, you know, fairly cheap one year deals. So, um, you know, they're, they're not in a horrible spot. They're just not in a position where they're going to be able to be aggressive. Um, they're just going to kind of do what they've, they've been doing for the last, you know, 10 years and that's just keep their guys under contract and, and try to get it done with what they have. Yeah. Mm. I think it's interesting. You say that I'm actually very against paying Dak what he's looking for. I think if you look at, I, okay, so I'll put this out here. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge Seahawks fan. I think Russell Wilson deserved the money he got paid. The mm -hmm. guys won a Super Bowl. You know, he's he should have won an MVP at this point. I was going to say, he's never even got a vote, right? For an MVP. <laughs> Which is just yeah, insane. God. Like, is there this team more than Wilson in big spots? Like, it's yeah. that, that's a great organization. And, and my, but my God, I mean, sometimes, dude, that I'm just like, this guy is, he's, it just seems like sometimes he's on an island in most, in the most biggest, well, in the biggest games. Dude, so, look at his man. look at his season last year. I don't know how you don't give this guy a fucking vote after last season, man. Like, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> well, well, look, it's it's because everybody everybody got excited because a running back kind of <laughs> knew how to throw a ten yard pass. Look, I, I look, I I crap on Lamar Jackson. He's a quality athlete. He can play the quarterback position, but he does, in my opinion, run it a bit too much. But that's not what I'm getting at. Here. So, distracted, distracted. People, people don't like people don't like old faithful, you know. And not that not that Wilson's old, but dude, he just yeah. does it. He's like consistently boring, you know. From that standpoint, I love watching Russell Wilson. My God, I like I. As soon as Dak came in the league, I was like, man, I want Dak Prescott to be Russell Wilson. You know, he had a lot of the comparisons, late round quarterback, mm -hmm. that, that type of thing, you know, has some mobility. Um, you know, that's what I wanted him to be. Put the team on your back when you when you need to. And he he hasn't done that yet, um, you know, obviously to the level of Wilson. But damn, dude, Wilson is disrespected because honestly, people just don't like just, you know, just consistency. And, and the guy just continues to do it. They don't like that. They want the new hotness. Exactly. So my my whole opinion on this is with Dak is that. What makes Wilson so boring is because he's consistently winning and doing what he does, and that makes him kind of boring to watch. Dak is exciting to watch because you actually don't know what's going to happen, if he's going to pull out the victory or not, without that, without Ezekiel Elliott carrying him on his back into the end zone. So I don't think you can pay a guy who's never actually won in the big moments the way – like look at what happened when they paid Jared Goff. You know, or when they paid Carson Wentz. I'm not saying these guys are bad quarterbacks. On the contrary, I think they're pretty good quarterbacks, but they got paid way too much and have never actually produced to prove that they're worth that money. I, I totally agree with you. This is a league that unfortunately doesn't, they pay for, uh, they're not going to pay for past success, really. They're just paying, like, especially the quarterback position, it's CYA money. I mean, you look at exactly those contracts oh. that, that you just mentioned. Uh, you look at somebody like uh, Kirk Cousins, who I think has has the ability to uh, to lead a pass heavy offense. We saw that a couple of years ago. Um, Minnesota has obviously decided to go a different route as far as how they use him. But damn, he's the highest paid NFL player right now. I mean, these guys don't get 
these guys aren't getting and paid because garbage. they're winning, man. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, uh, dude, they get paid because it's just again, whoever signs the most race one gets the most money. And you're talking, yeah, you mentioned with with Goff and even Wentz. You know, the Eagles won a Super Bowl not because of Carson Wentz. You know, he he definitely helped them get in there, and and he's he definitely has the the skill. But man, dude, it, it's just whoever signed the last contract gets the most money because these teams don't want to take the chance and be that organization. It's like you know, nah. You know, we'll we'll just go ahead and try something else. I mean, look how it's working out for Washington. Yeah. So you know, you just you don't want to be the team that's left without a chair type of thing, right? If you don't have a quarterback, you can't compete. So even if you have a mediocre one, you know, then you kind of just have to hold on. And I, again, I call it the Andy Dalton baseline kind of like you just if you have at least that, you ain't gonna give it up. You're gonna try to figure it out with what you have because you don't want to start over. So I think that's kind of just the position the Cowboys are in. And and Jerry Jones is definitely not a guy who's gonna take that risk and be like. All right, you know, I'm calling you bluff. You're out of here, and I'm going to roll with, you know, Dalton in 2020. Like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, no, I definitely see your point there. And I think uh, to mention the Bengals, I think they did that for years too because they're the cheapest organization in football. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it is a good point that you kind of want don't want to be the only one without a chair. Like if this is musical chairs with quarterbacks, you don't want to be the guy running around with like a headless chicken or something like that. Um, (laughs) We may not get to all of our questions because we do have to wrap up in like five minutes or so. But there's one that I really wanted to ask you. In the current state of the team right now, would you rather have humble Tony Romo? And I just snuck that in there. Or <laughs> your current quarterback, cocky fuck Dak Prescott. <laughs> dude, I, I love I love Romo, dude. I mean, yep. the guy was he was the most un, he was I one hate of the, most the Cowboys and I loved Romo. I really did. Like <laughs> Yeah. I, I wish they could have put it together. Um, you know, obviously it's funny, man, as hell, because the you know, the Des caught a game. Uh, that was DeMarco Murray screwing us over that damn fumble in the middle of the field as we yep. were running away with that game. But uh, whatever, dude. We probably didn't deserve to even be in that game because the <laughs> NFL handed us one over Detroit um, the week before. But, uh, man, I just think with what um, – in this situation, if I could have Romo in his prime, I'd you know, obviously I'd, I'd take that just because I, I knew you, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Romo, Romo is, as far as just from a you know statistical standpoint in today's NFL, like he is the best quarterback that this team is – you know, had, you know, from a success and all that, you know, that's a different story, but uh, dude, I, if Romo, if you could roll the clock back another, you know, five years and plug Romo into this team, uh, man, I, I don't want to be biased, but freaking team to beat. I think, you know, he's just that he was that damn good and never had the supporting cast. Uh, never had a receiving like, core like that could said. even sniff at this one. Yeah. I, I totally, yeah, I totally agree. So you're telling me you're taking, uh, Tony Roma, Tony Romo with pink jersey wearing <laughs> Jessica Simpson. I don't think that was his prime. I don't think that was his prime. <laughs> few, few years after that. Years after that. Oh, I love it, dude. Yeah, it just yeah, going on freaking vacations during bye weeks and all that, man. Dude, just, I, Tony Romo is the man. He's a character. He's getting paid right now, so I think he's not worried about anything. But we got to wrap it up in a few minutes here. I just want to know your outlook for next season, what's going to happen. And if you want to just run down maybe a quick Cowboys Mount Rushmore for us and we'll wrap it up. Sure. Uh, as far as 2020 goes, man, I think this is going to be, a, it's a difficult season to have a new head coach. Uh, it's going to be tough to get acclimated, but the best, I think the one thing is that this, this division is really just two teams. It's, it's Philly and it's, and it's the Cowboys. So uh, man, I, I, if they had a full off season to prepare and everything, I, I'd be probably a little bit more optimistic. I do. I, mean, I am glad that the that the offense is fairly intact as far as the returning players, um, and having Kellen Moore as the OC. So, 
you know, I, I think that that ten wins is on the table, but I'm I'm going to put them at seven and nine for now. Um, and and, I, and I, I do think that they're going to fall one game short, just like they always do. Um, and and hopefully we can. There's enough there that we can look towards the future. But I got to be realistic here. But uh, Cowboys Mount Rushmore. I'm going to go with guys that I've seen. Uh, I can't go back and be like Roger Staubach. Like I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not fucking 45 years old or whatever. How old do you need to be to watch that guy play? Um, mad respect for all those guys. Ring of Honor, all that. But I mean, damn, dude, I can't. I can't tell you with all that. You know, st- oh, grainy it. footage. Um, so my Cowboys Mount Rushmore is. Uh, you know, I was still a li- little young, but you got to give it up. Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith, three rings. What are you going to do, man? I mean, Aikman didn't have the stats that like Romo did, for instance, but he got it done different time. Uh, Emmett Smith, all time leading rusher. However, you want to take that. Who cares, dude? He's he's an he was a stud. Uh, I do have Jason Witten on there. Ooh. He let he leads the team in receptions and yards over 1200 yards for a tight end playing 16 years in this league should not be. Um, you know, should not be disregarded. He's only one touchdown behind Des Bryant for the all-time lead in Dallas Cowboys history. And then uh, I got to give one to the defense, man. I'm going to go with Demarcus Ware. Uh, nine nice years, 100, 117 sacks, seven straight years of 11 sacks or more, including a 20-sack season, dude. The guy was an absolute freaking beast. I wish he could have finished this year with the Cowboys, but he got his ring. Uh, so, man, I'm going to go with Aikman, Witten, uh, Emmett, and Demarcus Ware. Yeah, that's a pretty good Mount Rushmore. I, I might have to. Uh, I would. I would say mine goes. Uh, I go. I feel like mm-hmm. I go Romo. I'm gonna go Romo, and then Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin over Jason Witten, and just because this guy has so many like shacked in a fool uh, moments, <laughs> Leon Lett. How can you forget about him? He literally is Cowboys culture. Yeah, dude, that man. Unfortunately, uh, there are some. There's some <laughs> not so good moments for Leon Lett, but yeah, I I, I totally get it. I and Irvin, uh, you know, obviously had was a huge part to that. That uh, those three championships and it, it's just uh, yeah, I think Witten, man, just the years and the time and what he meant to this team. Uh, I, I kind of had to sneak him in there, I guess. So, uh, but I, I get, I dig it. Yeah, my list is basically identical to yours. Only I put Irvin on there over Emmett Smith because Emmett Smith was fucking overrated. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man, I yeah, I get it. Nobody likes Emmett Smith besides Cowboys fans. So, uh, yeah, he didn't, and he didn't help himself Jeez. out in the, in the booth either, man. Like Romo went out there, and now everybody fucking loves Tony Romo. Uh, but Smith, it was horrendous on TV. <laughs> so it just made people hate him even more. But, oh man, uh, I wish I could get Dez on there, man, because. He was my he's probably my favorite cowboy uh just for what you know what he was able to do and and all the touchdowns but he just wasn't like a top five receiver at any point in the league and you know so i I couldn't put him on here when you have this many other you know good players you only got four slots but i get it yeah yeah i I feel that man that's uh definitely something to uh to think on uh des could have definitely been something special but we want to say you know thanks for coming on we really appreciate you coming on. Do you want to plug your Twitter? Really yeah, quick sure. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at Kyle FF fellas, um, posting articles there over at fancy pros and at red shirts, fancy football. And uh, I got a weekly podcast, the fancy football fellas. You can find us wherever podcasts are at, man. Just give us a check out. Give me a follow on Twitter and uh, always open to helping people out with trades and rankings and all that stuff, man. Just uh, love talking fancy with people. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Appreciate the invite. On, man. You too. Yeah. Have a good one. All right, and thank you for other Kyle for coming on to the podcast. That was an awesome interview. Yeah, that was really- awesome. The The interview quality is getting very good now. 
Um, and just that was awesome. I had a blast, man, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I hope you all uh, go follow his Twitter. Guy really knows what he's talking about. Is a writer for a few websites. So make sure that you, uh, you know, poke your head into his account. Give him a follow. <laughs> ask him some questions. You know, the guy definitely knows what he's talking about. Uh, yeah, but we just wanted to say thank you uh, for listening. Um, we know right now the world it just seems as it's getting itself together falls apart again. So uh, we appreciate you guys giving us some of your time during these weird and uncertain areas of life. And uh, make sure you follow us on all of our, uh, our on all of our social medias. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Pods. And uh, we want to say thanks again for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. Be prepared for the AFC East next. Yes. Oh, it's getting good. It's getting good. And <laughs> and peace out, guys. Peace.